a two, two Sunday series today. We had it all lined out. We had our graphics for it. I had already started studying. Had a lot of notes. I mean, I was fired up about it. And uh, a week and a half ago, started feeling God deal with me about continuing on our miracle series. Uh, and so last week, uh, Brian just did an incredible job. And uh, we thank God for that. Y'all, we had 27 fresh starts. 27 fresh starts last Sunday. Hold up. Time out. Time out. Hold up. That's our little golf clap, all right? <clears throat> I would, it's a golf clap like hole-in-one masters number 18, okay, something like that. All right, here we go. We had 27 people make fresh starts last Sunday. That's powerful. And it ain't even Easter, y'all. Come on. I'm excited about Easter. Hey, I want you, we got a whole bunch of these printed up. Make sure you're taking this. All of this is a tie-in. Everything's a tie-in. That cross with those flowers, everything ties in. It's all a theme, so take it with you, okay? I want you to take a whole bunch of these. We only give you, we gave you five or so there, but there's plenty more out the information bar. Grab those. And then one more thing. Uh, you saw that cross. Is that cross beautiful? Did y'all see that? Jordan Berry, thank you so much. Thank you so very much. And Katrina, thanks for sharing him with us, all right? So that he could take time away from y'all and work on that cross. Uh, we're going to be telling you here in just a moment what that cross is, is, is about and we're, the significance of it today. But I want to dive into the Word. I want you to get your Bibles and I want you to get to Mark chapter 5 and we'll start reading in just a moment. Um, I want to remind you, I feel like I, I need to do this uh, every Sunday for a while. Joshua 3.5, sanctify yourself for tomorrow God will work wonders among you. One translation says, get yourself ready because God's going to do miracles tomorrow. We are believing that this is a season of miracles. How many believe that? How many need that? Come on, a miracle in your life, a miracle, something that you cannot do on your own. We're believing in that. Uh, uh, We had Landon Galloway with us, and he preached on miracles. We had Brian Larson with us last week, preached on miracles. So I haven't preached in two weeks, so I'm fired up. Come on now. Fired up. Here we go. (laughs) Mark chapter 5 tells us a story of a tormented person, a demon-possessed man. And I feel like this is important today because there's so many in our culture, in our city, so many in our own church that are dealing with torment right now. Mental, emotional, spiritual, physical torment. Can I just get a head nod from you today? Either you are or someone around you. You just you don't sleep at night. You wake up early. There's anxiety. There's stress. There's depression. There's suicidal tendencies. There's, there's what am I going to worry? How am I going to do this? What am I going to make this? I want to talk about that today because I want to start off by saying God does not want you to live that way. He does not want, is this 9 o'clock at the hills? Come on. I said God does not want you to live that way. Amen. So let's read Mark chapter 5. We're going to read 20 verses, all right? Hope that's not an overload on you today, all right? Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. And then they came to the other side. Everybody say the other side. Things are significant in the Bible. And many times we read over them and we just read over them. This is significant. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Everybody say the other side again. This is significant because 
On this side was the Jewish culture where they did things a certain way. But on the other side of the sea or the lake, on the other side was the Gentile culture where they raised pigs and swine, where they did their customs and they worshipped their gods. That's how they did things over there. And so when the Jews would talk about the Gadarenes, they didn't even call it the Gadarenes. They called it the... Y'all, see, y'all are smart. They would say the other side. So in Mark chapter 4, Jesus looks and says, let's go to the other side, which was significant. A rabbi, a Jewish teacher that was going to go to the other side. That's a big deal. And then Mark chapter 4 tells us the story of the storm beginning to rage and Jesus is asleep in the boat. Y'all know the story, right? And Jesus, they wake him up and he calms the storm and it's kind of like, I told y'all we were going to the... Why would y'all be so worried about it? It's kind of like that kind of thing. And many times we preach that message like he's, when he says we're going to the other side, we're going to make it to the other side, but it was more significant. He was going to pagans, to reprobates, to people that did not believe in the way the Jewish people believe. So you got that right? So this is what we're rolling into, okay? So the Bible says, and so they came to the other side. They show up to the country of the gatherings, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. Then the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. You talk about torment, right? And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, So all of the demons begged Jesus saying, send us to the swine that they may enter. Can you imagine thousands of demons screaming out at the same time? Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the swine. There were about 2,000 of them. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Come on, y'all still with me? Those, can you imagine that? Yeah, demon-possessed swine just running into the sea. So the one who fed the swine fled, and they told it to the city and the country, and they went out to see what it was that happened. Then they came to Jesus, and they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed. In his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened, and who had been demon possessed, and, and, and him who had been demon possessed, and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart, depart their region. And he got into the boat. He who had been demon possessed begged him that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said, Go home to your friends 
and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis or the ten cities all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Everybody say miracles. There's several things that stand out and I want to just share some of it. And most of the time I won't read that much passage of scripture at the beginning. We'll, we'll kind of spread it out. But I want to get that in you. You got it. Now you got the story. And I want to just pull some things out that I think relate to us right here, right now. First of all, I've just got to say something. I'm so glad that Jesus goes to the other side. And I'm so glad that he's not afraid of the unclean. <laughs> he's not afraid to touch you, to love on you no matter what you've done or where you've been. He's not afraid. He doesn't stay on the safe side. He's willing to make it to the other side. I just want to share that. I don't want to forget that. That's just something that during my prayer time just a moment ago before I walked out, I was thanking God that he came to the other side and was willing to get close to my uncleanliness. Amen? So some things that stand out to me, and I want you to take some notes. I want you to write this down. The first thing that I see in this is what was binding him was defining him. What was binding him was defining him. How many of you have ever been defined by something that bound you? You became known that way. I mean, when we read the passage of Scripture, that's what they called him. One translation says the demoniac. One says the demon-possessed man. One says the man with the unclean spirit. Another translation calls him a madman. And then one translation, I think it's the message that lumps them all together, that just says a demon-possessed madman. All right? A tormented person. Not someone that's just dealing with one thing. But we're talking about torment. So first of all, he was defined how people saw him. What he was bound by defined how people saw him. And that happens to us all the time. What we're bound by, that's how people begin to see us. And that's why many times it's hard for us to break out of that because when they start saying it and, and seeing it, then we start believing it about ourselves. Matter of fact, so that's how he knew himself. He was defined by it. Notice when Jesus begins to talk to him, he substitutes I and we all the time. Like he says I and then we. And then what's your name? We and I. It was a part of his identity, his bondage. It became who he was, how he thought about himself. He calls himself Legion. What is your name? Legion. For we are many. And one, one, this means up to 2,000, many thousands of demons, demonic presence in this guy. One translation says a mob. What's your name? I am a mob is what I am. So he began to take on his bondage as his identity as well. That's how he knew himself. We many times, most of the time, let what binds us define us. But I want to tell you today, what happened to you is not who you are. What is happening to you is not who you are. What will happen to you is not who you are. I'm an alcoholic. See, just like that, your bondage defines you. I'm depressed. I'm poor. I'm a born loser. Come on, y'all. I'm this. I'm that. I'm the victim. And what is 
What has been a part of binding you and attacking you suddenly becomes a part of your identity. But I want to tell you today, God created you in His image. That's how He sees you, and that's how He wants you to see yourself. Do you battle with stuff? Yes. Do you struggle with stuff? Yes. But don't let those battles and those struggles define you, and you begin to take that on as, this is who I am. I'm never going to get it right. I'm a, I'm a mess up. I'm crazy. No, you can't let what you do define who God sees you and who you are. Look at his condition. Think about this, how it defined him. He was chained. He was naked. He cut himself with stones. Now that word, the word used there, cutting with stones actually into, into the Greek comes from a term which says autolapsus, which is literally self-stoning. So he wasn't finding sharp stones and cutting himself. He was stoning himself, which was how they killed criminals in those days. If they didn't crucify them, they stoned them, took rocks. That's what he was doing to himself. He was trying to mutilate and kill himself. Talking about self-hatred today. What binds you can define you. And you feel like you've messed up, so you're a mess up. And so you continue to bruise yourself and abuse yourself. Let me say something. This is something Kristen says to me and our boys all the time. You need to be nicer to yourself. I walked through the other day and said, my God, I got to lose some weight. Lord Jesus, I got to... I got to do something about this. I got to do something. And she said, okay, that's fine. But be nice to yourself while you're doing it. Look at your neighbor and say, be nice to yourself. And just look at yourself and say, be nice to yourself. He was chained. He was naked. He hated himself. He tried to hurt himself. He was living among the tombs. Now, isn't that a dichotomy, man? A paradox. Living among the tombs. So many people are alive but not living. He had already got himself to a place of death. He's trying to kill himself. And so he's already there. It's going to be an easy transition. I'll kill myself and just roll off into a tomb. Make it easy for everybody. Don't let what binds you define you. Let me tell you something. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to torment you so bad. He wants to hurt you so bad. He's not happy with just getting you upset and anxiety. He wants to see you naked, afraid, killing yourself, hurting yourself, and to the place that you're just living among dead things. Come on, I'm believing for life in this Easter season. I'm believing for life in this Easter season. Come on, is a smattering? Am I supposed to clap? I don't know. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, come on. Let it rise up in you today. Let me just say something to all our Hills folks. Easter time is when people come to church. And in two weeks, you're going to see, you're going to see them next week because they don't want to feel guilty showing up just on Easter. So they'll come the day before, the Sunday before, all right? And then they're going to come Easter and they're going to come. It's a growth time for us. Let me just say something. Don't let all of our guests take away our life, Okay? Don't let them take away our culture. We're a life-giving church. So when your pastor says something that you agree with, it's okay for you to go, amen, let's go, come on. That's you resonating with that. That's an echo, right? So that's a little pastoral stuff right there, okay? 
Jesus wants us living the abundant life that he died and rose for. The enemy wants you living humiliated, beat down, destroyed, decimated. He's not happy with you just being upset. He wants you annihilated. But Jesus came that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't just come to get us out of the tomb. All right? He came to give us abundant life. The scripture says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. The second thing that stands out to me is, take your problem to the solution. Here's a guy that's been all by himself hiding out. There may have been one other guy. One, some gospel said there was two of those guys that were demon-possessed. So if he had anybody, it was just another crazy guy with him, you know? The guy that was possessed. And, and so, but all the, he's out by himself in the tombs, you know, chain, all this stuff. But also when he sees Jesus, he's hiding from everybody else. But when he sees Jesus, he runs toward him and falls down and worship him. Isn't it amazing how we do just the opposite? The solution shows up and we run from it. God, I want you to free me from this temptation. And all of a sudden something happens, you get out of the temptation and you go back into the temptation You figure out a way to get connected back to it somehow. God shows up with an answer in your life and we run from it. We try to hide from it. Take your problems to the solution. Take your questions to the answer. Instead of, I think many times the reason we hide is because, well, we're chained and naked and we're ashamed and surely he wouldn't want to see us that way. No, he loves seeing you that way. That's when he does his best work. We take our questions and we're over in the tomb questioning things with unbelief and doubt and why does this happen to me? And all of a sudden God shows up in the middle of a, I believe in you. We're singing it. You can see it's building up and instead we close off. Because I've got too many questions. Well, that's all right. He's the answer. Take them to him and say, here we go. I mean, you read the book of Job, man. Job questioned everything, right? (laughs) He questioned everything. People always say, don't question God. And I always say, it's okay to question him. Just don't always expect to understand the answer, okay? It's okay. You may not even like the answer. (laughs) Job was like, oh, good, good. And the Bible says, God answered Job out of a world. And like, where were you when I created the world? Okay, I'll go back to not questioning him. Okay, he's back here. So he sees Jesus, he runs to him, falls down in worship, and the first thing Jesus says, what is your name? What is your name? So what I see here is Jesus was willing to address the issue. Write that down. Address the issue. How many of you sometimes pray for a miracle without ever really addressing the cause? I know I do. I want to lose, help me lose weight, Lord. Help me get in shape. But I ain't going to the gym, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's not true. I'm just making y'all laugh because I go to the gym all the time, all right? So just back off. We got to get this. I'm believing, Lord, for you to do a miracle in my relationship. But yet, the cause is you probably need to do some forgiving. Probably needs to be some communication. God, help us get rid of this debt. Well, quit spending, you know. Look at your neighbor and say, it could be that you could make some miracles happen. 
I need you, God. And God's like, no, I've given you everything you need to do just right now. You go take care of that, all right? So first of all, address the issue. Address it. Look at it. Call it out by name. Figure out why are you thinking that way? Why are you believing that way? Why are you feeling that way? Look at it. Address it. You'll probably find out that you can take care of some of it. But then there are going to be times that you're going to look at it and you're going to realize this is bigger than what I can handle. There's a legion going on, all right? There ain't no way I'm getting out of this one. This thing is so messed up. There is no way this is going to happen. So how do I handle that? Here's how you handle it. You find out what its name is. You find out what its name is so you can address it. I'm going to tell you right now. This has been one of those weeks that's been tough study time. I don't normally complain about because I got a great job. I get to do what I love and I'm called to do. But there are some weeks that it's just a little tougher. This was one of those. Kristen can tell you that it was just tough. And I realize why is the subject matter today. The enemy does not want us talking about this stuff because he does not want to be addressed. All right. He does not want, he does not like the light. He wants to be in the dark. He doesn't want you calling out his name. He doesn't want you. So that's why it's important for you to figure out the name of that thing that's tormenting you. Figure it out. And then you start calling it out. When suddenly you start having those thoughts again, you begin to say, no, nope, that ain't going to happen anymore. You call it out by name. Find out its name. Pray. God, show me this root. What is it that I'm dealing with? And then start calling. I'm giving you a lesson on spiritual warfare right now. Come on, some of you have never heard about spiritual warfare, much less stepped into. It's not, it doesn't have to be wacky weird because we have all authority. Jesus has given it to us. All we got to do is find out the name, call it out. And then once you find out the name, introduce it to another name, all right? There you go. You stinking spirit of lust, I want you to meet Jesus. Depression, meet Jesus. Which brings me to my next point. Isn't that amazing how that worked out? I actually have it in my notes. Segue right here. It's all errors. Write this down. Only Jesus can make demons flee. I want you to understand that because there's a lot of great books out there. Now, I was raised in a day that you didn't go to a book for this kind of stuff. You went to this book right here. What you need right here. I was raised in a day that, that you didn't go to a counselor. You didn't go to a therapist. It just it was like, you got one thing. You need this. You need the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's go all you need. And let me tell you something. I believe God uses books. I believe God uses therapists. I believe God uses doctors. I believe God uses all of that. And that may be a part of what God wants you to do. But don't ever forget that Jesus is the only one that can make demons run. He's the only one. The book can get you help, get you, help you get your head right. The book can Talking to somebody can help you. I want you to understand me. If you go to a therapist, if you plan on seeing a therapist, if you read books, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying don't put all of your hope in that right there. Start with the fact that only Jesus makes demons run. He's the only one. 
Look at this, Luke chapter 11 and verse 20. Man, I felt the Holy Spirit just then. That was for somebody right then, just right then. Put your hope in Him, okay? Luke 11 and 21, Jesus said, For when a strong man like Satan is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. And in the epistles it says, and parades him naked through the streets. So you know how the enemy is trying to get us? You know what I'm saying? The enemy wants to get you naked, afraid. That's exactly what Jesus is going to do to Satan one day. He's going to strip him down and just parade him through the streets and say, and it said, the Bible says, we're going to look and go, that's the one that called the world to tremble? That scrawny little thing right there? That's exactly right. That's what's going to happen. Jesus Christ, his blood, his power, his resurrection, his name, he is the only one that can make demons tremble and flee. He is the only one that is strong. Listen, him, not me, not you. He's the only one who is strong. And in our weakness, his strength is even more evident. Boy, aren't you glad he's on our side? And the scripture says they found him sitting clothed and in his right mind. Write this down. Jesus' goal is to make you whole. He's not happy just getting you out of the tomb. Not happy just getting you set free. Come on, I'm telling you, I know how we are. I know how you are. You get that freedom. I'm, I'm posting that. I got set free. I'm going to put Facebook of me being free right now. You get that miracle that happens. We automatically want to rejoice in that. That's great. We should rejoice in every step, everything that God does along the way. But he's not happy just getting us unchanged. He's not happy just just getting us out of the tomb. He wants us clothed and in our right mind. He wants you and I to be complete and fulfilled. Listen to me. I think sometimes we think that's a bad word. I'm looking for fulfillment. No, that's what God wants you to have. He wants you to have the fulfilled life, the abundant, overflowing life. You know what overflowing means, right? You got more than enough. So you can share it with other people. And the scripture says that when they saw him clothed and in his right mind, that they began to ask Jesus, would you mind leaving? Why? Write this down. Miracles cause messes. Miracles cause messes. Here comes Jesus into the way they did life. And here's how they did life. Here was all the rich, sane people. There was the crazy dude. And tradition says the reason that he had a thousand, two thousand demons is because they sent all of theirs to him. Now, I don't know about all that, but I'm saying that's tradition. But he was the guy that got blamed. He was the cat. That's the guy, the crazy one over there. That, that one way over there. We're over here. Everything's taken care of. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and they don't have a scapegoat anymore. They don't have a crazy man anymore. And not only that, but then they, Jesus takes the demons that were in him, which they were okay with, and puts them into their livelihood. That's what they did for a living. They raised swine. And over 2,000 swine, which was a lot of money in those days, a lot of money, that's what's everything they did, and just ran it right into the sea. 
into the ocean. Miracles make messes. It messed up their social order. It messed everything up. Let me tell you, the miracle that you're praying for, get ready for the aftermath of it, okay? Because when it comes, you've got to be ready to walk it out that way. Not only them, but him. Imagine him. He's got a lifestyle. He's learned how to eat in, among the tombs and in the mountains. He's learned how to operate there. He knows where to find shelter when the storm comes. Now, he's clothed in his right mind, and he's got to act like everybody else. Think about the blind beggar that Jesus... Remember the blind beggar? Alms, alms, alms. Think about this. The, the day after he gets healed, man got to go get a job. Can you imagine him showing up the next day? The whole city knows he's been set free. He's like, alms, alms, alms for a guy that can see. Can you still give me something? No, man. You can see. He's giving you no money. Go get a job. Miracles make messes. They change things. Be ready for that. Be ready for God to mess up your life because God messes up your life perfectly. Amen? Amen. Come on, anybody ever had God mess up your life a little bit? Mess it up a lot? Isn't there a difference when you mess it up and then when He messes it up? Amen? The next thing I find is that the man says to Jesus, he goes, I want to come follow you. I want to come follow you. And Jesus says, no, what I hear I want you to do, I want you to go back to your hometown. I want you to go back to your family and your friends, and I want you to tell them. So write this one down. The miracle is never just for me. My miracle is never just for me. He was ready to jump on the boat and go follow Jesus. I want to be with you. And Jesus said, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back, and I want you to tell people what happened here. How God showed compassion on you. God's going to do a work in your life. Look at me. God's going to work. I know you're writing. As soon as you're done writing, look at me. God's going to do a work in your life. And when he does, I want you to remember this. It's not just for you. Healing, salvation, financial blessing, whatever it is, it's never just for us. You know why Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? to get a crowd together for his triumphant entry. Because the Bible says the crowd that came together when Jesus was getting ready to roll into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, the scripture says they came to see Jesus and Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There are times God does something in our life and we think, thank God I've been praying for that. And it's like, that ain't for you. That's so you can get a crowd together so I can do something even bigger and greater. I want to follow you. I want to go with you. I want to bask in your presence. I just want more, 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 more. And he's like, okay, that's good. But what I'd rather you do is go tell some people that have not seen me, that have not heard me, that have not had a miracle happen in their life before. That's what I would rather you go do. Are you saying that God doesn't want me to be healed and set free? Yes, but not just you, okay? That's the point is this me thing. No, he wants to deliver us, set us free so that we can go tell other people. And the Bible says, and he departed and he began to proclaim in Decapolis, which is the ten cities, all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Lastly, your miracle becomes your mission. What God does for you becomes what you do for God. 
What God does for you becomes what you do for God. Another thing we say around here is anything you overcome becomes your platform. You overcome it, that means you stand up on top of it and you begin to share people with people what God has done. There's a reason we give you invite cards. There's a reason for that. And the reason is this is not just about us. Amen? This is not about us. Why do we have empty chairs? Because there's people that need more. They need what we have experienced. And once those chairs are filled, why don't we put out more empty chairs? And once those chairs are filled, why don't we have another service and look for another building? Why? Because there's more people. Do we want to just so we can have a big church? No. It's because this is not about us. It's about two things. Him and them. Nothing else matters. Say it with me. Him and them. Nothing else matters. So let what God does in your life suddenly become your mandate. Let your miracle, a better way to say it, let your miracle become your mandate. I want to encourage you to start sharing your miracles with other people. Some of you are very uncomfortable with sharing the gospel because you've tell us that. You're uncomfortable sharing the gospel. First of all, you need to work on that, okay? Because that, that's the thing we're supposed to be doing. You know that? So for, work on that, all right? Get in the mirror and practice it. You know, practice it. Get, get, your, uh, get your elevator spill. Get your, you know, get your supper spill. Get, figure it out, right? How you can figure this thing out and, and share the gospel. But I'm going to tell you the best way to start is just share your story. Instead of trying to work through all the epistles in the Old Testament, just share your story. To begin to tell what God did in your life. Start there. I'm going to tell you another one. Just invite people to church. Just start right there. Come on, that's the easy one. Everybody say, that's the easy one. That's an incredible opportunity. We, we give you invite cards, so that work's done. All right? So you got the, where are those things? I put them, there they are. You got the invite card, so that's done. And then we pray and we plan and we fast and we pray and plan and fast. And we get the atmosphere set, right? We get the stage set for it. And then every Sunday, we share the gospel. Every single Sunday, we give people a chance to make a fresh start with Jesus Christ. So just start there. Look at your neighbor. Come on. Grab your invite cards. Look at your neighbor and say, just start there. And if there's no one sitting beside you, there's a sign right there, okay? Just start right there. And then look at what happened. Remember at the beginning I said, the other side, remember that? Let's cross over to the, the Gentiles, the unclean. They, they, have, they, they raise swine. Jews couldn't even get near swine, okay? So that, that, that's the unclean. Let's go to the other side. Mark chapter 4 and 35. This is, at, this is at the end of chapter 4. Look at this. On the same day... When evening had come, Jesus said, let us cross over to, and then verse 1 of 5, then they came to the, come on y'all, I mean, I've already given it to you, come on, they came to the sea, the country of the Gadarenes, right? So there we go, so now we understand Jesus performs a whole miracle, we read it, verse 1 through 20, 
The guys wanting to go with him. Jesus says, no, I want you to go tell people about me. And then verse 21 says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the... A great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. When you just read this passage of Scripture, here's what it looks like. It looks like in chapter 4, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Right? They go to the other side. Jesus performs the miracle, sets the captive free, and then it reads, and then when Jesus had returned again to the other side. And if you just read that, you think that he's going back over here. Know what he's saying? What happened is Jesus told this man, go tell people. Jesus leaves, does his work again, and then a little bit later, and when Jesus had returned again to the other side, an entire multitude of people were there waiting on him. Here's what that means. The other side had been evangelized. The other side the same people that ran him out and said, we don't want you here anymore. Now when he shows back up, there's a multitude of people because one guy decided he was going to take his miracle and he was going to tell other people about it. I want to encourage you as we move into this Easter season to pray for your miracle, but don't keep it to yourself. Pray for God to do a work in your life but don't keep it to yourself. Let something rise up in you that you want to share it with other people. I want to pray for you today.